Good morning. All right, it is Vision Sunday, so if you're a guest with us, just want you to know that Sunday this morning will be a, a little different than normal, but uh, one of the things that will be the same as always is I'm going to ask you to turn into your Bibles uh, to Mark chapter 1 this morning, and then I would like you to make sure you keep your Bible open and on your lap for the next 30 or so minutes. Um, it's going to be really important, and it's going to be fun too. So um, let's do that. Let me read the passage that we're going to start in this morning, Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 14 through 18. It is on page 1063 if you're going to use one of the Bibles that we have underneath the chair in front of you. Hear now God's holy and true word from Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks and praise this morning. And we are so thankful that you would gather us here together to sing your praises, to speak words of truth, to confess our sin to you, and to be assured that we have been forgiven because of Christ. We thank you that you have heard our prayers and we thank you that your word is powerful and that it is true that if you are for us, then who can stand against us in the things that you have called us to? Lord, give us that picture this morning of what you're calling us to and empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel so that we can be equipped to run with this Good news to our neighbors and to the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're 23. 23 years old, our church is. 23 years God has been working in and through UPC. Anybody been here 23 years? Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. Anybody been here uh, 15 years? Look at that. Who's been here 10 years or more? Five years or more. Okay, so we have a good, good blend. God has been using this church, uh, and we are excited to see uh, what he's leading us to in the future here. We're going to be talking about this 2020 vision this morning. We rolled this out last year about this time. So this is the second year in which we are, as a church, seeking to follow Christ as he equips us uh, to make disciples. And... Um, I want to start by revisiting the, the ultimate vision. The 2020 vision is something we're working on over the next several years. The ultimate vision of our church is the picture of the end. It's the picture of the world, the new heavens and new earth as it is when Christ has returned and has made all things new and has reconciled the nations to one another. Look at this, Revelation 7, 9. What an amazing picture that we've been given of what this place will be 
one day, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, you're in that crowd. Did you know that? Can you see yourself clothed in white? That's a picture of us being completely cleansed of all of our sin and wickedness, having been made new completely. Carrying palm branches, that's a symbol of victory, not ours, but of Christ's victory over sin and death. And us crying out that salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. What an amazing moment when this comes to fruition, and it is coming Christ has secured that it will come. Isn't that amazing? And in in so doing there, also we will live in this new heavens and new earth where there will be no sin, there will be no wickedness, there will be no terrorism like we're seeing in the world, there will be no Ebola or other horrific diseases that are wreaking havoc on this world. It will be a place made completely new, filled with you and me who have been made completely new. To live in perfect harmony with God and with one another forever. It's kind of, it's hard. It's hard to imagine that. And the Bible says in some ways we can't imagine how amazing it's going to be. But it's going to be. So what happens between now and then? Uh, Most of us are aware that what's happening is Jesus has given a mission to his church We call it the Great Commission. Part of it is written on the back wall there from Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is the task that Jesus has given to you and me, his followers, that we would be disciples and make disciples, that we would be advancing the gospel and welcoming in people into the family of God, those who will put their faith in Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful call that Jesus, after having died to pay for sin and then rose from the grave to prove that God has accepted what he did in our place, then he gave us this commission. And so that's our mission as a church, is to make disciples. And what does a disciple look like? What does it mean to make disciples? And the best part is we just need to look at Jesus for that. So we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to see him in the book of Mark in a few places here. And we're just going to look at him as we see what he was doing. How was he making disciples and then what was the life that he gave uh, to, the, to those disciples? You ready? Let's jump in. Keep those Bibles open. It'll be much more fun. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. Now we see that it says, John, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. First thing we see Jesus doing is what we call gospel proclamation, that he is proclaiming the gospel, using his words to tell people the greatest news ever imaginable. That although you and I have sinned against God, who is holy and must punish sin, that although we deserve the wrath of God, We can have the full acceptance of God and forgiveness of God and unending love of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It is absolutely amazing news of this kingdom that is coming, that is even at hand already. And as we repent and believe, we receive that 
salvation. We receive the kingdom. And so he's proclaiming with his words, right? But he doesn't stop there. That's not all he's doing. Notice now we're going to look at some, some headings in your Bible. You probably have some headings above some of the passages. Look above verse 16. It says Jesus is calling the first disciples. Okay, He's telling people to follow him, calling people to join him in his mission. We'll come back to that. Then above verse 21, what do we see? It says Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit or something like that in your Bible, right? And then look at uh, above verse 29. It says Jesus heals many. And so we see that not only is Jesus proclaiming with his words this kingdom, this good news, but he's also demonstrating. We call that gospel demonstration. Gospel demonstration. He's demonstrating with his deeds what he's just proclaimed with his words. He's talking about this kingdom. And then we get to see it in action as he meets these people's physical needs. It's amazing. What an amazing kingdom. A kingdom that when it comes and where it comes, evil is pushed back. And people receive the healing that they so long for. So we see Jesus is proclaiming the gospel and he's demonstrating the gospel. Right? Well, now look back. Uh, think about uh, in, in when he called those first disciples. He calls those disciples. Look at that again. Mark chapter 1, starting in 16. Uh, he's calling these disciples. Look particularly at verse 17. And he says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is not only is he proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating the gospel, but he's also calling people to become something that they're not. And the beauty is he's going to make them become, right? It's not them trying hard and pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. It's him and his power making people become something that they're not. And so really what we also see Jesus doing is what we call gospel transformation. He's transforming these disciples. They were fishers of fish and now they're becoming something else he says he's making them fishers of men what did that look like what were they doing let's take a look at verse 3 come with me to chapter 3 uh starting in verse 13 come with me to chapter 3 there it is i hear it sweetest sound during a sermon is the pages of a bible turning okay um if we're at a point where you're supposed to be turning, I suppose. Okay, chapter 3, verse 13. Look at this now. Look at this. Uh, Jesus went up on the mountain and he called to, the, to him those whom he desired. And he, uh, they came to him. And he appointed the twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Now, hold on. That sounds a whole lot like what he was doing, right? Let's let's go to chapter six. Uh, let's 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 look at again another place where they're sent out. Chapter six, uh, starting in verse seven, you'll see that it says Jesus sends out the twelve or something like that above that passage in your Bible. Right. He's sending them again. Actually, just look at verse twelve. Uh, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them Isn't that amazing. This is what's happening, right? They're being transformed. And part of that is they are now doing the things that Jesus was doing. He came proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel. And he's transforming them. And now they are sent out to proclaim and to demonstrate the gospel. And so the fourth big thing that we see Jesus doing here in his ministry, in his earthly life and ministry, on his way to the cross, 
what we call gospel multiplication. Gospel multiplication. He's increasing the number of people on the planet who are truly worshiping God as well as proclaiming with their words and demonstrating with their deeds that he's the Lord and that he is the one who will redeem us and who will make all things new. Isn't it amazing? That's what we see him doing. And therefore, that is what we that is where we get these four things that we're focusing on as part of the 2020 vision that we are focusing on living this what we call this cross shaped life, a life that is shaped by what Jesus has done on the cross and what that means for you and me. And so there's four things. Four things that we feel Jesus is calling us to as a church that our lives would become more and more described by these things. That we are experiencing gospel transformation. That we're changing. That we're becoming. That he's making us become things that we once weren't. Ultimately, it's becoming more like him both morally and missionally, that we also would become better and more regular proclaimers, that we would share this good news with people. And that also uh, that we would show this good news to people as well as we demonstrate with our deeds. Now, we don't have some of the miraculous abilities that the apostles had. If you do, see me after church. Uh, Otherwise, here's the thing. Uh, What we have is, in principle, the same exact opportunities to use words to tell people life-giving truth and to use deeds to show people life-changing compassion and mercy. Isn't it sweet? Isn't it amazing that we would be called to this? And as we're being transformed, as we're proclaiming, as we're demonstrating, God brings the increase. God will multiply us. We've already seen it. Uh, We'll most likely be baptizing a few new believers uh, who came to faith in our church here in the recent months. Okay. Um, One of the things that is so important that we understand about this vision is it is lifted right out of the pages of Scripture. Okay. Uh, Major copyright infringement. We copied what we saw in Scripture uh, for this vision. But it also lines up with the four powerful, life-changing realities and promises that we find in the gospel. And each one of those promises undergirds the reasoning behind why we want to do these things. Why do we want to give our time and energy to grow, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Why do we want to learn how to share the gospel and do it? Why do we want to sacrificially give and serve those in need? Why do we want to multiply? Because... It all is centered around Jesus. Look at this next slide. And what I want you to see is this. Uh, What's behind proclamation? Why did Jesus proclaim the gospel? Why are we called to tell people this amazing news? So that people can receive the beautiful doctrine of justification. Not the doctrine of it, but the reality of it. That we would receive justification by faith, which is being forgiven of all of our sin, past, present, and future, and declared righteous permanently in Christ through faith. Another way to say that is we're set free from the penalty of sin. Our guilt is gone. And when we share this gospel in words and people believe it, that's what they receive. Why focus on gospel transformation? Because of this beautiful thing called sanctification where we grow and become more like Jesus. We become more powerful, 
We are set free from the power of sin. And we're able to live the life that God wants us to live because it glorifies Him and enables us to enjoy Him in ways we could never have imagined otherwise. Why do we focus on gospel demonstration? Why do we want to serve each other and the city in, in ways that make people say, wow. Because one day when Christ returns and makes all things new, we receive glorification. We're made completely new. We have brand new bodies that work perfectly. And there's no needs. No, no one has any needs. And so the picture of the kingdom having come in full is a world without needs. And every time we serve someone in need, we are giving them a glimpse of what is to come. Because when the kingdom comes in full, Christ makes all things new. And we're set free even from the presence of sin. And then why are we big on multiplication? Because we believe that when we have faith, we become children of God. And we want everyone in the world to know that if they will trust in Christ, they become a child of God. It is such a huge and amazing responsibility and opportunity for you and I to be the bearers of the greatest news to a dark and struggling, struggling world. So, all right. A lot of information this morning. The next portion of this, I want to get very practical, okay? I want to get very practical regarding what are we, what, are, what is expected of you? What do we want from you? What do we want from one another? And so let's talk about each of these. Let's talk about gospel uh, transformation. When it comes to gospel transformation, there's really three things that we want you to be thinking about and three primary transfer, transformation environments that we believe if you're active in these three, there's going to be growth. Okay, We've seen it before and we believe we'll continue to see God use these. The corporate worship service, that's Sunday mornings. Okay. Uh, our small group worship, which is our life group ministry, and then personal and family worship as well, uh, which we have given you some uh, tools for. Like we have our two-year Bible reading plan. There's plenty of copies out there. I'm, we're going to be providing some more tools on that in the coming months. This morning, I do want to talk a little bit about corporate worship and life groups. I forgot to talk about life groups in the first service, so remind me if I forget. Okay, you can just say, hey, man, you forgot. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, let me share a little bit about corporate worship because um, you are probably aware that we've made some changes. Uh, we've, we've incorporated some of these liturgical elements into the worship service. We've been experimenting with those things. We've tried some things a few different ways. We're continuing to experiment with that. One of the things I want you to know is that feedback is welcome. Okay, You can tell us how you're feeling about these things. But we've uh, through the email, the church email, we've talked a little bit about why we're doing these things, but I want to give you two really strong reasons that as your pastor makes my heart feel like these things are right for right now. Number one, I want you to take out your worship guide. Take out your worship guide, uh, and I want you to look at our order of service, because one of the big reasons for this is we believe that as we continue to sing contemporary music and modern songs and stuff like that, as we do that and bring in some of these historic, long, time-tested elements of worship, that it will help reinforce our identity. This is a huge thing. And when we live in a world that's constantly trying to tell us who we are or who we aren't, a world that's trying to, always trying to get us to believe what it is saying, it's very important that we're actively pushing against that. 
And these elements of worship can really help reinforce our identity of who we are. Because what do they say? Look at how the first part, God calls his people. We receive a call to worship. This is a huge part of our identity, that we're a called people. We're not running to God. We're running away from God. But he's calling us and he calls us to himself. Why? To forgive us. We're not only a called people, we're a forgiven people. Look at that next section. That needs to be a core part of our identity. Everywhere we go that I am a forgiven person. So we're called. We're forgiven. But not only that, God loves us so much. He not only forgave us of our sin, but he's renewing us and empowering us against it. So that next section, when we're affirming our faith and praying and hearing the scriptures, it's really about God renewing his people, changing our lives. So we're a called people. We're a forgiven people. We're a people being renewed. And then uh, we are a people being sent. God sends his people out to be salt and light in the world and to make disciples. And this is a key thing. And these elements have always been used Our confession of sin, our assurance of forgiveness, the affirmation of faith, these things that are a little newer, these have always been used in ways to help root our identity as called forgiven people being renewed, being sent. Okay. another thing is that we really feel like we can use them to help strengthen our faith, to have a a deeper, more robust form of worship where it's really going to deepen our faith. And we still got a lot of kinks to work out. We're trying to get that figured out. That's why feedback is very welcome. But here's what I see. I see people that I love dearly, that I pray for regularly. And I also see a world that's becoming increasingly more hostile towards you and me. And as that happens, it's so important that we have a deep and strong, sustaining faith. It is not going to get easier to be a Christian in America anytime soon. You've probably felt that already. You've probably heard people refer to the way we believe what the Bible says about certain things uh, regarding marriage or regarding the sanctity of life. You've probably even heard people say that Christians are bigots or Christians are idiots. And you, in that moment, have sort of thought, I hope they don't know that I'm a Christian. Have you felt that yet? I have. We need everything we can get to help deepen and strengthen our faith, reaffirming our identity, strengthening our faith. That is the purpose behind these things. And we're still learning. We're still experimenting. So if you have feedback, I want you to uh, make sure that you get that to us. You can tear off the little thing on your bulletin and write it on there. You can send me an email. You can come talk to me. Uh, Whatever you need to do, I want to help uh, you in this process uh, if, if, if you're struggling at all with these um, elements. Okay, that's an, one thing. Now, next, I didn't forget. Yes. Um, for our life groups, uh, yesterday we had a whole bunch of people here learning how to teach what's called the Person of Jesus Study. The Person of Jesus Study, it's a Bible study. Um, can you go ahead and bring that up, Paul? Uh, the, the Person of Jesus Bible Study is, it's a really great study uh, done by Paul Miller. Uh, he's a really just uh, great, great teacher. It's really well laid out. Uh, and really, it's a study that's designed to help us really know Jesus as a person, to know him and to see him. And it's amazing how this study does that. I mean, as we were going through sample versions of it yesterday, we were crying, we were laughing, we were doing that awkward combination of both, you know, you've been there. And so it was really 
powerful and amazing. If you're not in a life group, now's the time because we're going to be rolling out this person of Jesus study. And I really believe it's going to have a powerful impact on our church. And then I told you we'll talk more about giving you more tools for your personal and family worship in the coming months. Okay, you with me? We doing okay? I know it's a lot. And let's talk about proclamation and demonstration. Um, proclamation. Getting really practical, and I'm just going to give you this quickly, and then over the fall months here, we're going to work on these things. So this will not be the only time you have to see this, or you get to see this. Um, Michael has been uh, busy working on ways to equip us to, to proclaim and demonstrate. And a lot of us, that's kind of scary. And that's, if you're in that boat, so am I. It's, it's not easy. Uh, so one of the things we're trying to do is really help make sure everybody knows people who have no church home or who aren't believers, uh, that they're spending time in prayer for those people, and that they know a gospel presentation. We really feel God is calling us at this time for these, at least these things, that we make sure we know some unchurched people, that we pray for them, and that we at least learn a gospel presentation in case there's that moment where God would give you a door to share the greatest news ever with that person that you know and have been praying for and therefore love. And so uh, that's something to be thinking about. Uh, people, prayer, and learning a presentation. We're going to provide the presentations, give you a bunch of different options to choose from. That'll come a lot through life groups and through some other uh, venues as well. But that'll come, okay? I do want to say a special uh, challenge to those who work in parachurch or in the church. Like, I work with Christians all day. I don't know if you knew that. But I do. And a lot of you do as well. And so that means we, we are challenged to get out and be in places where we will meet and have relationships with non-Christians. Okay? Uh, as far as demonstration is concerned, the three things to be thinking about is seeing needs, knowing our skills, and then serving accordingly. We really want everyone to uh, begin to learn more and more. And we're going to, again, provide tools for this in the coming months. But to see the needs around us, to know the ways that we're uniquely gifted and then serve according to our gifts and abilities. That's a big passion of ours, that everyone would be equipped to serve according to their abilities. And in doing so, we will, Lord willing, seeing the proclamation and the demonstration happen, then the last piece would be multiplication. That we would see new believers, uh, that we would see new life groups being birthed, and that we would plant new churches. You can go to that next slide there. Okay, this, was, this is the, the end result. New believers. And the, the, what's amazing is this is already taking root. This is already happening. We've had some people uh, become Christians through the church service, through the life groups recently. Okay, We're going to get to baptize some new believers, adults, people that came to Christ as adults in the coming weeks. I'm so excited. Okay, And um, we also have just birthed some new life groups. We had some groups that grew to a certain size, and now they multiplied. And uh, new churches I'm going to talk about in a second. So here's, here's the vision. Um, four things that we want to be moving toward. Okay? Four things. Go ahead to the next slide, Paul. Four things that we are being transformed by the gospel. And we're giving you those tools. That we are proclaiming the gospel. That doesn't mean everybody's standing on the street corner with a megaphone. For 90 some odd percent of us, it means that we... Engage people who don't know the Lord and introduce them to Him. 
and that we're demonstrating the gospel, that we're serving, that we're getting our hands dirty, we're giving, we're sacrificing our time and our energy to help people in need because it's a picture of the coming kingdom. And then we'll see gospel multiplication. That's the way God works. That's what we see in the scriptures. As they were proclaiming and demonstrating, God was increasing their number. So what areas is God moving on your heart right now that you could grow more in all four, 50%, where, is it, where are you at? And just hear those words of Jesus again to make disciples. And then he says, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. So we do not do this alone. Okay, last, I want to tell you about three big things coming up. Three big things that I want you to be praying about. They're going to be really important. Number one is today, uh, their ministry fair out there. You've already been there. If you didn't get a chance to spend much time there, go back. Uh, everybody's going to be there again, manning those booths uh, after this service. Um, hopefully, it'll be a little more fighting uh, from our uh, martial arts ministry. Uh, that was awesome. So um, let's, uh, let's get out there. And two things. If you're new with us and you'd like to see all the different ministries we have, then find ways that you can get plugged in. Do that. That's what it's for. If you are been here a while, it's a great opportunity for you to say, I'm going to get my hands dirty. I want to serve. I want to help. What can I do? And you talk to these different ministries, that all of which need more and more people. Okay, so that's one thing. Please visit that. Number two, um, Scott Puckett is the senior pastor of Christ Kingdom Church, uh, which is our daughter church located over toward the Avalon area. And um, he and I have been secretly meeting um, and talking. And uh, we... He, uh, and I agreed with him, came up with this crazy plan that our two churches should join together to uh, unleash a big Christmas program of uh, Christmas carols and little kids singing and a choir singing in the public square on December 14th. So our churches will converge and combine to go out there and to set up a thousand chairs and have people singing Christmas carols. He said he wants to lead worship and he's asked me to preach a message of hope to our city. And so we're going to do that and we're going to need a lot of people involved. We're going to need artists. We're going to need people who can help uh, design all the different things that need to take place. Uh, people with trucks to go pick up chairs. But it was something we'll, we'll talk about it all fall long and we'll get really excited about and then we'll do it. And as we do this, it's going to be a great opportunity for all of us to participate in proclamation together. And we will uh, challenge each one of us to try to bring an unchurched friend to this thing. Does that sound fun or what? It was Scott's idea, and uh, I think it's a great idea. So I'm super excited. Okay, the last thing. Um, in the spring of this year... Um, there was, there is a congregation of uh, our denomination down in Lake Nona, and I think most of you are aware that in the spring they lost their pastor, their church planter. They've only been going for just a short time, but there's a good amount of them there. And so what happened was the presbytery asked our church to take leadership and provide some leadership for them. So we've been sending our pastors down there to preach. I'm the only one who has not gone down there and preached. Uh, everybody else has been down multiple times. And um, we have tried to offer care for them. We're trying to uh, do whatever we can. But over the last several months, it's just become clear that it can't kind of go on that way forever. Uh, and so we started to think about, well, what are the options? And one of the sadder and sort of like, eh, let's not do that unless we actually have to. One of the options was to, for them to just close. 
Sometimes that is the most God-honoring thing for a church to do is close down. But we, 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 while that was an option, we wanted to stay away from it. And long story short, um, we ended up presenting an idea that has been uh, utilized in churches in the area here and even in our denomination. And so they ended up uh, receiving that quite well. And what that is, is that they would become University Presbyterian Church Lake Nona. Okay? And so what's this going to look like? I don't know yet. We're still figuring it out. But uh, there is a lot of excitement about them becoming a second congregation of our church. Now, I want to give you three reasons why this really seems uh, like it's a, you know, like the nail on the head. Ready? Number one, we uh, are in the university area. We're here. The church was planted to reach university students as well as people that are drawn to the area by the university, right? Well, UCF is in the process of building their medical college. Do you know where? Lake Nona. Number two or numero dos. We have a Hispanic ministry, a growing Hispanic ministry that we're super excited about. Clint, Pastor Clint is doing a phenomenal job. It's growing all the time. It's really exciting. And part of that was because we, we saw that around here, there's at least 30% of the people are in, uh, from Hispanic backgrounds. And so we wanted to be able to reach those around us. Well, in the process, um, we have Clint to develop this ministry. But guess where? Another area of the Orlando region, guess where there happens to be a very rapidly growing Hispanic population? Lake Nona. Third, we are big on families. We've always been big on ministering to families, particularly with little kids. 32828, where most of us live, or half of us live at least. Um, Woot, woot, I saw the hands, yeah. Uh, 32828 has more children than any other zip code in all of Florida. People are laughing because they're like, obviously, Right? Yeah, there's more children in that zip code than any other zip code in all of Florida. And a close cousin of that number is Lake Nona. There's another zip code with tons of children. So it, the more we thought about it, the more we realized, wow. And then we uh, talked about this, and that congregation got really excited about that. So what does that mean for us? What it means is we have a second congregation that is launching. It means that some of you may want to go down there and try to reach people in that area. It means that we'll be, uh, some of our elders are interested in moving to that campus. Some of our deacons might go. But they've got people that are from our church who've already been through our officer training, ready to be ordained as officers down there anyway. I mean, it's like God has set this up. So it's going to be interesting and it's going to take a lot of prayer. We'll keep you posted on how it's going. But I just wanted you to see what we believe God is up to. That we would become one church in two locations. So, all right, I know that was a lot. Good job. All right, good job. Uh, Next week we will return to our series on the gospel of Mark. But for right now, I want you to look at this one more time. And I want you to know... That if this scares you, if the idea of growing uh, scares you, if the idea of sharing the gospel scares you, if uh, serving people in need scares you, I want you to remember, Jesus did not say, follow me and you will make yourself become. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become. So this is year two. Are you ready to keep becoming what he's making us into. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you would give us uh, your son and that he would 
work in us and then even through us. And we want to advance the gospel. We are scared of some of these things. Uh, But we are sure of what we have in Christ. And help us to remain sure. And help us to be bold. And to continue to proclaim the gospel, Lord. Because we see in the scriptures and we see throughout history. When the culture pushes against your church. The gospel seems to advance more. What an exciting thing. That this hostility that appears to be increasing against Christ and his kingdom and his church will probably play a part in the advancing of the gospel to new areas, new nations, and new hearts even in this city. And you have called us and are equipping us to be a part of that. And for that we are eternally grateful. For if you are for us, who can stand against us? Nobody. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you